0: to the Zen Stoic Path. In this episode, we are going to be talking about the distinction that most people fail to make that actually stunts their progress. And there is a lesson within Stoicism that really points to this in a very profound way, and it is called the Stoic Reserve Clause. So one thing that we had talked about in terms of the fundamentals of Stoic philosophy is that there is a heavy emphasis on the dichotomy of control which was created by Epictetus. And the dichotomy of control is very simple. It's simply the recognition of what you do control and the recognition of what you don't control and being able to focus on that which you can control and then discard and embrace that which you cannot control. And the reserve clause is a way that the Stoics would set goals or set intentions in terms of their aim and direction and what they needed to get done while also maintaining the spirit of the dichotomy of control. So one of the reasons why a person would want to maintain the dichotomy of control is because a lot of the time what we end up worrying about or what we build anxiety about in our lives is often the uncontrollable. We focus and put so much stock into the outside world and the things that we actually have no power over that it ends up creating and stirring up emotions that are simply based on things that are completely inactionable to us, whether that is you know worrying about an assumption that you have of something going wrong or it's getting really up in arms about certain social and political issues that you're not directly involved in or that you're not doing anything about, these can be moments where we are indulging in that, that which we cannot control. And it's not to say it's wrong to look at what you can't control or to focus on it at, at times – but it is to say that if we begin to define ourselves and get wrapped up in the elements that we cannot control, we're going to end up causing some unnecessary and excessive suffering for ourselves due to the amount of noise that we create in our own minds relative to these things that we can't control. So the idea of the reserve clause is that it points to something important, and there's been a lot of talk in recent years in the personal development or self-help or self-mastery industry where This idea of extreme ownership is talked about where everything is your fault as a mentality. And this is something that should help you to take more responsibility because everything is your responsibility. And now this sounds like it could be empowering, but the idea of extreme responsibility or extreme anything for that matter is swinging the pendulum into a direction in which we think that we're going to increase the likelihood of success or guarantee our success based on going to the extreme or swinging the pendulum and extreme responsibility or ownership for that matter denies or violates the dichotomy of control because it forces you to think that everything is your responsibility, that everything is somehow in your control. And then this is not the sentiment that we want to necessarily go into things with. It would cause us to become overwhelmed and If we are successful in our efforts of controlling the uncontrollable or whatever that may be, this could also lead to the inflation of our own ego, the inflation of our own capacity to create change, which again can be empowering, but simultaneously can also lead to an inflated ego, the idea of obsessing of the concept of ourselves, which is another way of saying the ego. And what we ultimately want to do is find our middle way. And that is exactly what the stoic reserve clause does when it comes to setting goals and setting directions and intentions with the things that you want to get done in life. Now, what's really cool about this idea is that it aligns really well with the Zen concept of falling in love with the process and being present to the process. Because when we talk about the reserve clause, it has a lot more to do with how you go about executing something and your intentions, and your presence, and your courage, versus the actual outcome that you're seeking to achieve. So the Stoic Reserve Clause is pretty simple. And it's mentioned throughout Marcus Aurelius' meditations multiple times. And I'll be going through some of the quotes in which Marcus had talked about it. But what the the Reserve Clause is, is basically setting an intention or setting a sense of direction, a goal for that matter, a preferred outcome, or as the Stoics like to call it, the preferred indifferent, (laughs) the result that they were actually after, is setting your outcome and then reserving the idea that you will do everything in your control, but at the same time be detached from that which you cannot control. So the Stoics found a lot more satisfaction and fulfillment in how they went about the process and pursuing the right thing rather than the achievement of whatever it was that they thought they needed to achieve in that moment. So Epictetus would talk about this and how it's not so much about the outcome or result or the achievement, but it's more about how you go about it, which really aligns well with the Zen Stoic intentions and delusions. We talk about With the intentions is that... The intention is the one thing that you can't hide from yourself. So even if you're doing the right things, even if you're doing admirable or impressive things, what you end up experiencing in terms of your own self-reflection, your your personal viewpoint and your sense of inner peace in regard to your actions, is you always <clears throat> is that you will always know what your intention is. You can feel it at some level. Even if you don't cognitively know what it is, you can feel the difference between an intention and that is aligned with you or that you feel right in and one that you don't feel right in. What's interesting about this idea from the Stoics is that it aligns very well with the intentions. It's about having that intentionality in how you take your actions. So, so Epictetus would say, For can you find me a single man who cares how he does what he does, and is interested not in what he can get, but in the manner of his own actions? Who when he is walking around, is interested in his own actions, who, when he is deliberating, is interested in the deliberation itself and not in getting what he is planning to get. Epictetus. So this is a really cool concept to me because this is one in which you actually find joy and you find your sense of satisfaction and meaning in the process and how you're going about it and why you're going about whatever you're doing. This When it comes to your goals, the endeavors that you're pursuing... This is really important. If we get attached to an outcome, we start to expose ourselves to the suffering that comes from the attachment of an outcome. Now, it's not just attaching yourself to an outcome, but the outcomes and results that we set out for with our goals are not guaranteed, nor are they fully within our control. There's a lot of external factors that play into the achievements that we are going after. And that's fine. That is the nature of them. But if we start to attach the outcome, we start to validate ourselves through the outcome we are going to set ourselves up for suffering. The other thing is, if we attach to the outcome and we get the outcome, and we are praised for this outcome, or we are rewarded with the satisfaction, the achievement, the sense of winning of this outcome, but our intentions were attached to the outcome, then we're starting to engage in the Zen Stoic delusion of control and performance and expediency. What we're doing is we're trying to control it by assuming that we have control over that, which we cannot control. So that's where that delusion comes in. The other part is that we're expecting that the result is going to somehow validate us or somehow bridge us from the discomfort of not having it to the comfort of having it and say something about our identity. So there's a sense of expediency there in trying to move from the unpleasant feeling to the pleasant feeling by attaching to said outcome. And then there's performance because, again, you're not doing it to do it, you're not doing it from a place of sincerity or for the process itself. You're doing it for the outcome. Now, some of you may hear that and go, Well, why would I go after anything if I wasn't doing it for the outcome? And I would say, Well, it depends. <laughs> it depends on your reason why. The reason, if we're going after a certain goal, let's say we're going after a financial goal, are you going after a financial goal because of something that you genuinely want to do or people in your family that you genuinely want to support? Or are you going after it for the prestige so that people can tell you that you're all clever and, you know, so successful and this and that? Because the difference between those two intentions would tell you whether or not your attachment to the outcome was in a healthy place or not. And if we're attaching to the outcome because we want to be looked at a certain way or we want to appear clever to people, or we want other people to validate us, then we're coming from a place of performance. So what Epictetus here is saying is not to necessarily be interested in what your actions can get you, but the actions that you take, the deliberation of why you're taking these actions. And that is where that sense of fulfillment comes in. That is what the reserve clause is. It's not about achieving. It's about taking actions, knowing why you're taking them, and then doing actions that are the right actions for the sake of them being the right thing for you to do. Simple as that. And what this does, this keeps us honoring the dichotomy of control, allowing it to serve us in our lives to create more of a sense of fulfillment and less suffering, and it ultimately allows us to begin to start to love the process, to start to be present in the process of our endeavors while detaching fr- while detaching our identity from the end result to which we do not control. We don't want to latch our identity onto an uncertainty or, or something that we are not quite sure of. Otherwise, again, we set ourselves up for the experience of if this succeeds then I'm great, but if it fails then I am a failure. And we don't necessarily want to tie that to our identity because number 1, it's not true. It's not the full encompassing of our identity. And number 2, it doesn't actually help us when we succeed. It actually makes it it actually causes us to become more deluded and to do it again and again and again. And the more things that we attach to our identity that are outcomes that we're pursuing on the outside, the more that we're starting to dissociate ourselves from our actual present awareness in the moment. So that's one of the reasons why that's important. So we want to be able to fall in love with the process. We want to be able to enjoy the process and become present in our actions towards meaningful goals. Now, goals are very meaningful because they give us something to aim at. It's not necessarily that they have to be hit, but they do give us a sense of direction. One of the quotes from the movie Shang-Chi, the recent Marvel movie that came out that I really loved, was the archery teacher said, if you aim at nothing, you hit nothing. So that is a really simple but very profound quote because this is part of the purpose of our goals. The purpose of our goals is not just... Not always to achieve the goals and get the result, but to have something to aim at. To have something to to wage our right actions towards. And that is the whole point. What's interesting is this mentality and having the reserve clause can actually get you excited about pursuing that which is good for you. It can get you excited about action and effort in and of itself, it can get you excited about the pursuit or the process of getting there, which is a very, very advantageous place to be when it comes to your mindset. Those who are attached to the outcome and the result only might be highly motivated and driven, but they're not going to sustain as long as somebody who's driven by the pursuit itself, driven by taking the action, taking the effort towards what they believe is important. And this is actually something that was talked about by the neuroscientist Andrew Huberman on his podcast. And he also talked about this on Impact Theory with Tom Bilyeu. And Andrew Huberman was talking about dopamine and how it is the most important chemical in our lives because it causes us to not just want to go after things that are important to us, but also to keep doing it, to keep sustaining it. And a lot of people unknowingly actually drop their dopamine baseline because of how they go after their goals and the things that they want in life. And one thing that he was saying is that raising your dopamine to try and pump yourself up for an action to go after a goal continuously by whether it's listening to music, taking nootropics, or you know having a lot of caffeine before you get into to whatever it is that your activity could actually make it harder to continually motivate yourself. And that the reason being is because in that state or that type of action is attaching yourself to the outcome and trying to pump yourself up to go and want the outcome more. And that is not an effective way to optimize your dopamine. And then he went on to say this in the interview. He said, the cool thing about dopamine is that it's very subjectively controlled. We can all learn to secrete dopamine in our brain in response to things in a purely subjective way. If you can reward the process, the brain circuits that are associated with building subjective rewards and dopamine get stronger. So notice he said reward the process, not the outcome. One of the things that Andrew Huberman was talking about is that if we try to make, in essence, the result or the achievement of the result feel really, really good by contrast to the process, what we actually do is we make it harder for ourselves to feel that good next time or to feel as good next time. And if we're only attaching to the outcome and we have to pump ourselves up more each and every time, this is not necessarily advantageous for us to fall in love with the process and to keep doing the process with full vigor and effort. So what he talks about is rewarding the process itself. Falling in love with the process in pursuit of a worthy endeavor is not only the key to sustained success, but this also puts people in a flow state. This raises the dopamine baseline, according to Andrew Huberman, and allows us to actually do better in these situations. So the way that the Stoic Reserve Clause aligns with this is that the Stoic Reserve clause is intentionally designed to not attach to the outcome and instead it focuses on the deliberation and the actions that one takes as being the reward in and of themselves and if we learn to associate and we if we learn to love the pursuit and how we do things and why we do them versus what we're actually trying to achieve it, it allows us to go into flow much easier it allows us to be present in the process take better actions, and execute more effectively in the pursuit of our goals. Now, Marcus Aurelius also talked about this in Meditations, where he referred to this reserve clause. And he said, Here, Epictetus, no one can rob us of our free choice. We must, says he, hit upon the true science of assent, and in the sphere of our impulses. Pay good heed that they are with a reserve clause, that they, in our view, our neighbor's welfare that they are proportionate to things value and we must abstain wholly from inordinate desire and show avoidance in none of the things that are not in our control. Marcus Aurelius. So there's a lot to unpack there, but one of the things that's really cool about this is that it does imply the intentionality that we had talked about with Zen stoicism in the, actual intentions where he says in the sphere of our impulses pay good heed that they are with a reserve clause that they have in view our neighbor's welfare so what this means is oftentimes when we are taking the reserve clause it's not just about loving the process so that you could do better but it's also about having that intentionality are you embracing the human experience that each individual person is having with the actions that you take so this is about taking right action from the Buddhist point of view as well, where we want to take actions that don't violate our own liberation. We want to take actions towards the worthy endeavors that are not causing us to violate our own sense of humanity and disregard the human experience of those around us. So that means taking an action with the consideration of how it affects the well-being of others. We can take actions that are expedient, that disregard the well-being of others, just to get to our goal quicker, but then again, what did we learn there? What did we do to ourselves? We've put ourselves in delusion by doing so. So we want to embrace our humanity. We don't want to resist it, and we don't want a sense of expediency to cause us to overlook the well-being of others. So the reserve clause is also important for this because it's a self-reflective way of setting goals, one in which that you're keeping a middle way in your desire to achieve something and how you go about doing it. If all the importance is on the desire to achieve something, we'll often become inconsiderate of other people, but also inconsiderate to ourselves and point away from ourselves into delusion by trying to validate ourselves with the achievements and results that we are pursuing. Another thing that Marcus Aurelius said in his meditations is, that which holds the mastery within us when it it is in accordance with nature is so disposed towards what befalls that it can always adapt itself with ease and what is possible and granted us. For it is webbed to no definite material, but in the pursuit of its aims, it works with a reserve clause. It converts into material for itself any obstacle that it meets with, just as fire when it gets the mastery of what is thrown upon it. Marcus Aurelius. So another part here that Marcus is pointing at that's actually really important, is that the reserve clause prevents us from looking at obstacles as negative events. It actually allows us to look at obstacles as opportunities, as moments where we are actually able to learn. So by pursuing goals with the reserve clause, it converts any obstacles into opportunities, into ways of furthering the endeavor, furthering the advance of these goals that one has set out for. Another thing that Marcus had said in his meditations, and he had mentioned the reserve club five times according to Donald Robertson, is that, though a man may in some sort hinder my activity, yet on my own voluntary impulses and mental attitude, no fetters can be put Because of the reserve clause and their ability to adapt to circumstances. For everything that stands in the way of its activity is adapted and transmuted by the mind into furtherance of it. And that which is in check on this action is converted into a help to it. And that which is a hindrance in our path goes but to make it easier. Every hindrance makes us stronger. If we are attached to the outcome and we see everything in between us and the outcome as an obstacle and not an opportunity, then we're not able to use the obstacles to become better. We're not able to use them to learn from. We simply see them as something to be dealt with, something to be eradicated. And we don't necessarily want that mentality because it prevents us from being able to fully take in the lessons that each obstacle has to offer. And then one last quote we'll mention from Marcus Aurelius from Meditations is this. If your impulse is without a reserve clause, failure at once becomes an evil to you as a rational creature. But once you accept that universal necessity, you cannot suffer harm nor even be thwarted. Indeed, nobody else can thwart the inner purposes of the mind. For it no fire can touch nor steel nor tyrant nor public censor. Nor anything whatsoever. A sphere once formed continues round and true. Marcus Aurelius. So, this is a really important one as well, especially the first line of that quote where he says, Failure at once becomes an evil to you as a rational creature. So, if you have a desire, if you have an impulse, if you have something that inspires you and you do not accompany it with a reserve clause of I'm going to do everything in my power, I'm going to do what I can control to make this happen, but I accept that it is not fully within my control, if that is not present, then failure comes to define your identity and lock you into an identity of a failure. And that becomes detrimental simply on the basis that you're allowing the outside world to tell you who you are via circumstances that are not within your control. And if there's one thing that you do have control over, it is your free will, it's your ability to decide these things. Now, one thing I want to say about the reserve clause that's really important is that many people look at this and some people make the mistake of thinking that stoicism is promoting determinism, that basically everything is laid out for us and everything is already going to happen as it may and we can't do anything to change it. And, it'll, and it and simultaneously, because of that, seems to be not encouraging or endorsing free will. And this is not the case at all. What stoicism is saying is that these things exist simultaneously. What this is really saying is that these things exist simultaneously. Yes, we do have free will. We can respond to the events that happen. And our response via our words and actions can affect the end result. They can influence the end result. But there are also things outside of our control that will happen whether we do anything or not. So, it's about finding the harmony in this. It's easy to become nihilistic and say, well, if, if most of everything is not within my control, then why even bother? You bother because if you don't, if you don't do anything and you simply accept that, you start to fall into, a de- into the delusion of expediency by avoiding what might be difficult, and you bring about some unnecessary or excessive suffering to yourself, which we don't want so you do it because you know that by taking the action towards these things that are important despite there being things that you can't control is not about whether or not you get the result it's about am i able to look myself in the mirror and be proud of the person i see across from me can i accept who i am inside without anybody's validation and that's why we have a reserve clause. That's why we look at our actions. That's why we want to make sure to pay attention to our intentions for everything that we do. Imagine what your actions would look like if they were done in the spirit of intentionality, if they were sincere and guided with discipline versus just doing things expedient to get the result. Imagine what that would be like. Maybe you wouldn't put so much weight in the outcome and instead Validate your success based on your personal effort and presence and willingness to learn and understand and get better continuously rather than only using your accolades to hold up your identity. There was another article that I read about the reserve clause that I thought was really interesting, and the link is in the show notes. It was by Rafael Albinski, and he had written, A practicing Stoic would put all of his strength in reaching the goal. Not because of the outcome, but because taking the action is the right thing to do. It goes well with virtue. The outcome for Stoic is in fact secondary, which does not not change the fact that the outcome is also a preferred indifference. So, a preferred indifference is something that you desire, that you cannot control, but it is preferable in terms of all the possible outcomes that you could get. And the Stoics would look at the things that they wanted with this preferred indifference. I would prefer that this goal went well. I would prefer that I made this amount of money. I would prefer that I won this game or this sporting event. Now, another reason why this is important, as mentioned by Donald Robertson in his article on the reserve clause, is that the reserve clause is a way of overcoming emotional pain. And as the perfect sage cannot, by definition, be happy if he is distressed. Then he must act at all times according to this rule. So so even if somebody espouses to try to be perfect, to try to be a sage, if you will, it's very difficult for them to live this way if they have the distress that comes from not being able to accept yourself through your own intentions. So it's important that we implement this. He then went on to say the basic idea is that Stoics must act in the world although the good of their own soul, wisdom and virtue, is the chief goal in life. External and bodily things, despite being classed as indifferent with regard to our ultimate well-being, are to be selected or rejected in a somewhat detached manner. Insofar, it is natural and rational to either get or avoid them. In other words, we should pursue external goals with the caveat fate permitting, as the Stoics would say. So Donald Robertson makes a good point in this article when he says this. Because what I'm taking away from what he's saying, at least, is that if we just tell ourselves that, well, results and achievements don't matter, getting the things I desire don't matter, that is not the right way to look at it. That is a way that will maybe cause you to excuse yourself and become lazy and say, well, it doesn't matter anyway, or become nihilistic and start to experience more suffering. But what he's saying is that these external and bodily things are things that we still regard to our ultimate well-being. And it is up to us to select or reject them in that detached manner. So what he acknowledges here is that, yes, the what is good for the soul in terms of wisdom and virtue is, yes, the most important thing that will ultimately allow us to accept ourselves. But at the same time, That doesn't mean the things that we're trying to get, the things that we're trying to achieve are bad. And if we start looking at them like that, we are starting to deny our own nature in pursuit of being overly idealistic with our philosophy. It's not about saying like, I don't value money or I don't value these material things or these pleasurable experiences because I'm a stoic and I only pursue virtue. Like, that's not what he's saying at all. (laughs) What he's saying is that, yes, it's okay to have these things. They can exist simultaneously. Just remember that the chief goal is the wisdom and virtue. The chief goal, and to say it in the Zen stoic context, the chief goal is to have intentionality That points you back to your humanity. It's okay to want the material things. It's okay to want the pleasurable things in life. The pleasant experiences. It is natural to want that. The difference is most of those things exist in the realm of the uncontrollable. What exists in the realm of the controllable are our own intentions. how, Why we decide to do things and what actions we take to do them and the intensity in which and the level of and the level of presence and intensity that we take when it comes to taking our actions. Are we taking the action in a sincere way, or are we doing it in a performative or an expedient way? So a basic strategy that you can use to implement the reserve clause is to make the distinction between driver seat goals and passenger seat goals. To make the distinction between what is your fault and what is your responsibility. Things that happen outside of your control are not your fault. If they affect you, however, they do become your responsibility. And when they become your responsibility, it's important for us to set goals for ourselves, driver seat goals and passenger seat goals. And it's important for us to set goals for ourselves. Now, my coach gave me this breakdown of goals: driver's seat goals versus passenger seat goals. And we've talked about this before on the podcast, but a driver's seat goal is stuff that exists completely within your controls. So this would be the goals and actions that you put under the reserve clause. So a driver's seat goal is like, let's say we're talking about fitness. Driver's seat goal is I'm going to commit to going to the gym five times a week. You can control that. That's up to you. That's a driver's seat goal. There's no result attached to it. It's a process-oriented goal. A passenger seat goal is I want to look super jacked and you know more attractive by, you know, this date six months from now passenger seat goals is kind of vague. you cannot completely control that you're gonna look jacked and ripped and you know look exactly how you're desiring to look, but it is the direction that you're going in it's not the thing that you control completely you control the habits you control the processes the actions that you take, but you don't control the end result and so driver' seat goals versus passenger seat goals is an easy way to introduce the reserve clause into everything that you do so. When you set a passenger seat goal, it's typically vague. It says, I want to go in this direction. Please drive me here. The driver's seat goal is the actions that you take, the things that are within your control. I'm going to do this habit five times a week. I'm going to eliminate this habit from my my mornings or my evenings in order to get to my goal. These are things that you can actually do something about. That's why they're important to focus on. So remember, embrace what is in your control by using it resourcefully. Simultaneously let go of what you cannot control. Pursue with sincerity of deriving your aims from within. Approach with discipline on how you take your action and measure your success on intentionality not outcome. Keep your mind open in seeking understanding when things don't go your way so that you're able to get better and continually improve. In that way, you're not attached to whether or not you got it right, but you're more so Validating things based on, am I putting my all into it? Am I learning? This is what this is about. Remember, as the Dalai Lama said, most of our troubles are due to our passionate desire for an attachment to things that we misapprehend as enduring entities. Keep this in mind. Remember, set goals. Have something to aim at. Because if you aim at nothing, you hit nothing. But when you aim at your goals... Be sure to introduce the reserve clause. Do everything that you can that is within your control. Let go of what is not and become present in the process in the pursuit of what is most meaningful to you.